0: For listening you guys i realize it's not easy charlie the dog and i have to listen to these two jokers every day hey you guys what's going on it's episode number 258 now of the ron and Don show and we are live from the leshwap studio what is up ron and Don nation yeah a lot of people have been contacting us in the ron and Don nation and said hey i'm in port orchard can you sell my house boom port orchard sold hey i'm in everett can you sell my house boom everett sold hey i I live down in the Central District, or I live in South Seattle, or I live in North Seattle, or I live on the East Side, or I live in Ballard. In fact, we just sold an incredible home in Ballard for almost $300,000 over. And why is that? Because we know how to negotiate on your behalf. So if you're in this market right now, you're thinking about listing your home or need help in buying a home. We like to go early. In fact, just this week, we went early. We threw down the checkbook, we beat everybody else, and we bought that home before the offer review date. A lot of this coaching, a lot of our techniques, a lot of what we do, we've written about in buyer's books or playbooks, and also in something we call a seller's playbook. Uh, ron, how can people get their hands you on You can them? get
1: either of those right now by either going to ronandonsitdown.com or you can just email me directly, ron at windermere.com, and I can get you set up with uh, either one of those playbooks. Yeah.
0: Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, Austin, they say, is very similar to Seattle when you look at the demographic that's moving to Austin. And a lot of times, it's people from the left coast, it's a lot of tech folks, and they're also very liberal. Austin has had a problem that's just developed in the past couple of years that we have had here in Seattle for over a decade now. And that's the fact that every time you turn the corner, you see a tent on a street, you see a tent in a park. And I don't know about you, but uh, Seattle parks have become a place that I don't go with my kid anymore. I just don't because of what happened last time I went and I shared that with you in a previous podcast. Anyway, You're not going to believe what Austin has decided to do about camping in the city limits. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, have you ever been blocked by a famous celebrity on something like Twitter or even on Facebook? Uh, People have come forward now in a Reddit thread, and they are talking about (laughs) very famous people that blocked them and what they did in order to get blocked. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. It was just two years ago. Can you believe it's already been two years that we found out that Jeff Bezos was going through a divorce with his wife, Mackenzie Scott? Uh, Since that time, Mackenzie Scott is now remarried to a local school teacher, and she has actually signed a pledge. And the pledge is to give away most of her wealth. That she achieved through the marriage and being connected to Jeff Bezos and being connected to Amazon, and she said she had to check in with her husband. Hey, can, you know, can we live off a teacher's salary? And I, I, I bet she hangs on to a few dollars. I of just course. have to bet that she does. But, but she has decided to sign that pledge that a lot of people have signed. With the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, in fact, right now in their endowment, they have over $50 billion to give away, and these are by a lot of uh, millionaires and billionaires that have decided that they want to partner with the Gates Foundation, not to just give the money away after they die, but to give the money away while they're still alive and maybe to have some say in that. In fact, uh, Warren Buffett is one of those people. Jeff Bezos, not one of those people. Mackenzie Scott, one of those people. Uh, Two other people that we know of would be Bill Gates. And Melinda Gates just announcing that after 27 years of marriage, it is over. And as a result of that, people are wondering what's going to happen with the Gates Foundation. Ron, what do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, first of all, if I want to say one thing as I thought about this and I looked at a lot of the different stories that were coming out about Bill and Melinda. I do not think that's a failure. Like I, I look at that and, and I look at their marriage and to do what they've done to be married for almost three decades, know each other for three decades, married for 27 years, uh, raised a family, done the things they've done to save hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives around the world. Uh, I would not characterize it as a failure. And as someone that went through a divorce, I carried a lot of shame for a while about here's a thing I did. And I said, uh, in front of all my friends and family, and you were in my wedding party till death do us part. And then we parted before death. Uh, it didn't work out. I got a divorce and I had to reframe that in my mind later to go, maybe that's an antiquated way to look at things that you're only successful. If one of the people dies, right? That's a, after the fact, I look at, I was like, huh. Is it possible to have a relationship with someone that lasts X number of years, five years, 10 years, 27 years, whatever it is, and then the the relationship doesn't work and it's still successful? I think yes. If you think back, if you're around the same age as Don, as Don or I are, 27 years ago, think of that version of you. Imagine going out to dinner tonight with the version of yourself 27 years ago, are you the same person? I'm not. Not even close. I'm not. I mean, I'm in the same body, I guess, and I have the same brain that I did 27 years ago. But I, almost everything is different. Uh, and so, when you think of Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. Um, I I hope that we don't look at that and go, ha, 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 their marriage failed. The Bezos family, ha, ha, their marriage failed. And that was a little more spectacular because of the mistress or the, the girlfriend that's down in L.A. But even then, we don't know what happened in their marriage. We don't know if they talked about that or if it was, you know, there are a lot of people who have a girlfriend before they're officially divorced or a boyfriend before they're officially divorced. So I just wanted to get that out first. I don't know if you have a response to that before we get to the foundation
0: part. No, I think that's great. No, I think that's a great point. In
1: terms point. of foundation, they could probably, if anybody could navigate a thing where it's like, we're still going to run the foundation together and not be married, it's probably Bill and Melinda Gates. Because like there are stories out, and I think you even sent me one. Bill Gates used to go on vacation with his, a former girlfriend every year. Uh, not every single year, but like from time to time. And, not and every year and Melinda was okay with that.
0: Yeah. Every year she would do that. At least for 10 years, he did that.
1: Yeah. So it's like, they could have, um, they seem like highly evolved people, highly rational people. They make decisions based on data and like really careful consideration. If they got together and said, here's how we're going to dissolve this marriage. We want to keep the foundation together because it does so much good. Um, do you have your office? I have mine. You can do your projects. I can do mine. If, if we need to come to the same board boardroom together, we can talk about a project in Africa and not bring up the uh, stuff in our marriage. Like I think that they can do that. Uh, I, I, I think that this is great. If they've reached this age and like, hey, it's, it's, the chapter's over, we want a new chapter. Good for them. I say good for them.
0: Yeah, I, I, it, It's interesting because in real estate, we get introduced to a lot of different couples. And sometimes I'll see couples that have grown older together and in their friendship and their love for each other and uh, their ability to communicate and their autonomy. Autonomy is really, really important. The fact that, you've, that you feel a sense of autonomy. Uh, at least that's really important to me. So I think the interesting thing is when, when, when we look at couples that are Growing older, though, and to your point, Ron, they've changed. They have changed. And it seems sometimes later in life, it might actually be easier for women to go through the divorce than it is for men. Because I think a lot of times men become dependent on a female spouse at times to make sure that there's a family vacation to make sure that we're all getting together for the holidays, uh, to make sure we're going to invite the neighbors over and dad's going to barbecue, but mom will make sure everybody's over there. And and, and it, 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 it's interesting because I, I think as women get older and their kids are raised, I think they look around and they just realize they don't need us guys around uh, anymore. And I, I, I get concerned sometimes when I see couples that have grown older together and they don't see it as a second chapter, but they see it as kind of being stuck with each other. I'm stuck with you, and you're stuck with me. But but you can tell that the love and the friendship is gone. Uh, I haven't seen that a lot, but I've seen it time to time, and and it really makes me step back and think about. Um, and I and I encourage my mother in this, who lost her spouse a number of years ago. Mom, you have a second act here. They're, they're, you're only, you're only 78 years old, and you have your health. In fact, uh, she's traveling right now, uh, which I think is fantastic. And she hasn't left the house, I don't think, in over a year. So she she, she has really done well. Uh, and it's not that it hasn't been hard that her spouse is no longer around, but 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 she's going to thrive in this, just like her mother did when my grandfather died. Uh, my grandma, Caroline, uh, she lived for another 19 years. And she lived a very rich, important, incredible life. So I think we should really think about that. As, as we grow older, as our kids are no longer in the house, what is this thing that's keeping us together? And I think you have to continue to really work on work on that friendship.
1: And I think so. the other thing that's interesting to think about in this case, having all the money in the world, literally being the richest man in the world, doesn't necessarily mean you have a perfect marriage. So they could, they could have anything your heart's desire. Private jets, personal chefs, houses around the world, any car you want, any therapist you want. If they wanted to talk to Oprah, they can pick up the phone and talk to Oprah. Any doctor, any psychologist, anybody that's ever written a book would uh, come and talk to Bill and Melinda Gates. So you still have to do the work. You still have to do the work. So you're on the other side of this.
2: Hi, I'm John Greenland. Hi, I'm Lauren Greenland. We sat down with Ron and Don and we sold our house for far more than we thought we would ever get. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. We we questioned them and interviewed them together. And it seemed like they were the perfect couple where, you know, Don was the kind of energy creative, you know, force of nature. And then Ron was more of the holding the kite strings and just the two of them together and their knowledge with Flipping Homes and uh, Seattle and especially uh, Queen Anne Market. We just thought these guys know what they're doing. When you're trying to sell a home and you're trying to get it on the market and you don't really know where to spend your energy or your money. It really helps to have somebody who knows the market, knows the process, understands construction, that can just point you in the right direction. So I really appreciated that about working with the team. A realtor in the past would come by and basically just unload a huge list of everything that they wanted us to do, and then they would leave. You know, Ron and Don were not like that. They, They were with us every step of the way. John came by numerous times to help us pick up yard clippings, the thrill stuff uh, in his truck so we could take it to the dump. When I said what I thought we could get, they were just kind of dead silent. Like, you can get a lot more than that. We got an uh, offer above asking. Yes. And, and, and our asking was actually above what we thought we were going to ask. So we were thrilled. With Ron and Don, you get two great minds that perfectly complement each other. You get the data and analytics. You get the creativity, the drive, and the energy. They are are the complete package. We we love them. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com.
0: Listening to the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronandon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 258. Don't forget, as you just heard, we are licensed brokers at Windermere and we want to be your advocates. We will fight for you. So, whether you're buying or selling, if you're having a hard time taking a home down, I'm not. We'll take that home down for you. So all you need to do is reach out to Ron, ronatwindermere.com. Get one of our buyers' playbooks, one of our sellers' playbooks, and then let's do a Ron and Don sit-down. In fact, that's the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. Reach out to us today, and uh, we'll virtually sit down, and uh, then we'll come out, we'll have a cup of coffee, and uh, we'll meet you guys. So looking forward to that. Again, Ron at ronatwindermere.com. Everything is at uh, com. I often look at cities that have a have a similar makeup uh, is the makeup that we have here in Seattle. And for instance, I'm looking to Denver right now because they're one of the first cities to put out teams of people that are going out, that are responding to calls, and even 911 calls. They're called star teams. And these are healthcare professionals that are trying to go out and interact with people in crisis but without police officers there, there's no badges, there's no guns, and 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 they've been doing this for almost two years now in Denver, and and really they're they're starting to have some very good success with it. So if you get an opportunity, check that out. Stars Denver, uh, they have a small pilot program going on. And I think it's something that uh, they may expand. Our navigation teams here in Seattle, there are police departments coming from all over the country and the world to study our navigation teams. And then for some reason, we dismantled those. Uh, But here in Seattle, there has to be some answers moving forward. Whoever the next mayor is going to be. In fact, I saw Gary Locke, who lives on the east side now. And he's actually uh, the president of Bellevue College over there. And people were asking him. You did such a good job in the 90s of being the governor of Washington State. Uh, How about stepping up and moving to Seattle and being the mayor of Seattle? And he had no interest in that. Uh, And I don't know. I don't know who the next mayor is going to be. But you can't kick the homeless encampment can down the road any longer. The city council can't do it. The mayor can't do it. The police department can't do it. We can't kick that can. We have to deal with this. So I look at those STAR programs because we're looking for answers. That seems to be working in Denver. Also, when I look at Austin, and Austin is very similar to us, not in geography, but in the makeup of the people that are moving there, because in Denver and in Austin, these are becoming very big tech hubs. And the reason why people like moving to Texas and tech companies like going there. And Ron and I live there is because there's no state income tax there either. So that's one of the appeals of Washington State. That's one of the appeals that people feel in Texas. And Austin has, is having this tremendous, tremendous growth right now, uh, just like we are here in Seattle. And real estate is just bonkers there. It is out of control. It's interesting because as a city leans liberal, uh, one of the things that Austin decided to do a number of years ago is, is to allow people to begin – to camp in the city again, especially as we we entered into this homeless crisis and this COVID crisis. Uh, they have recently stepped up and decided, the city has, that they are going to now enforce that ordinance of no camping within city limits. We have that same ordinance here in Seattle, Ron. We just don't enforce it. We don't, we know, I think we're under a thousand cops now in the city of Seattle is almost, we have lost now almost 300 officers during COVID and they are not coming back. They're interviewing for other departments. They are working for other companies. They are going to to places where they feel like they're going to be treated better, where they're going to be loved more, and maybe they'll make a little less money, but they don't have to worry about dealing with some of the craziness. That we have going on here in the city of Seattle. There are pockets here, as much as I love this city, that feel absolutely lawless. So what is your take on what Denver's doing with star teams? What's your take on what we see happening in Austin? Where, again, a lot of liberal folks there are saying, hey, we're liberal to a point. We are tired of the camping, and we got to close these campgrounds. Down. I think
1: the one thing that was that I found interesting in the Austin thing is it's very it's similar to Seattle in the sense there. Joe Biden won by seventy two percent in the city of Austin, uh, probably very similar to some precincts here in Seattle. That city council and that mayor were so liberal on this housing first message and uh, the entire thing that we've heard here in Seattle. They had two lawsuits against the the other side that wanted to get this repealed. And it had to go to this their state Supreme Court that smacked down the mayor and the council and said, you guys are being disingenuous trying to keep people from actually voting on how they feel about homelessness. And so the prevailing wisdom down there was that we're so liberal that when we put this up to a vote that uh the homeless advocacy groups are going to win, and they did not. So it lost, I think, by 57% to, to 43 or whatever it was. And I would be curious to see what a vote would be like here in the city of Seattle. I, I imagine it would be about the same. Despite how liberal you are, uh, I think there's a, a big majority of people that would come out and, and vote for that. So, so having set that aside, just the political inner workings that are in, interesting, I always like to start with, a if you're looking at a problem like this, and go, do we know something that's not working first? If we're going to try to figure out what is working, can we figure out what's not working? I think at this point, because it's been about 16, 17 years since we did the 10-year plan to end homelessness, I think the strategy we've been using, we can now say definitively does not work. And you could go through and maybe try to tease out a couple of things that do work. But by and large, I think we need to collectively look in the mirror as a community and go, the thing that we've been doing does not work. So let's stop pretending that it does. Let's stop pretending that we are doing anything less than a horrible job. And let's come up with something new. So housing first, that mantra that we've heard. Doesn't seem to have worked. Taking and saying, let's build these tiny house villages with services. That doesn't seem to have worked, at least as far as I can tell. So, uh, I mean, I would look to Austin and go, okay, let's see what happens now after they institute this policy and after they say, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, I guess the thing that, we, that I feel like Pacific Northwest does not want to admit is is we want, we, we hold this ideal in our heads that given the opportunity, people will behave rationally. That's what we want to believe because we're very smart, we're a very literate part of the, of the country. So we want to look at these homeless populations and encampments and we go, well, if we give them logical resources, if we give them logical opportunities, they're going to do the right thing because that's what I would do if I was homeless. Here's what I would do. If someone gave me an opportunity, I would take it. If someone uh, helped me get a job, I would go work. And what we've figured out is that's not true. Because we've given these people the opportunity. We've given people resources. We've given them a chance. And they don't make rational decisions. They don't behave like we would behave. They choose drugs. Or they choose crime. Or they choose to not care. They choose to check out. They choose to park their dilapidated RV on the waterfront in West Seattle. That's what they choose. They live under a bridge. They traffic in stolen goods. They buy and sell drugs. They engage in prostitution and pimping. Why? How do I know that? Because I've walked through the camps in the middle of the night. So we need to take that notion that we're a rational, intelligent part of the country and people are going to behave rationally. No, they won't. No, they won't. So once we accept that, now what? We'll see you on
0: that side of this.
2: Whether you're buying or selling, everyone needs a team. That's what Team Bronco did. That's what Team Lone Star did. That's what Team Wallace did. That's what Team Michigan did. Go Blue! All
0: right, you guys, welcome back to episode 258 now of the Ron and Don Show. We're live from the Les Schwab the Studios. You, you play around a lot more than I do on things like Twitter. I spend some time on Facebook, on Instagram. In fact, I'm Don O'Neill, 34. Ron is Ron Upshaw on Instagram. And uh, find us on Facebook. And, of course, then we have all our, our pages for our broker's business and everything else. Uh, I didn't know that this was a thing, but I guess there's a lot of people out there that try to get blocked by celebrities, <laughs> Yeah, and they, will just, they, try, they, will, they yeah. will just keep raising the bar and raising the bar and raising the bar to see if they can get somebody's attention. And I think it's like being a child sometimes, or like being a dog. If I can't get your attention by being good, I'm going to get your attention by being bad or by being a little crazy. So anyway, people were sharing on a Reddit thread, I'm going to read some of these in a moment things that they did or said and the celebrity that blocked them. And one did, one involves Snooky, which I'm going to get to it in a nice. moment before I get to that though. What makes you block someone on social media on Twitter, especially? And then, have have you ever been blocked by uh, a celebrity?
1: So, uh, I will block someone if they're being derogatory, if it's just f bombs every other second, if they're posting like stuff that's demonstrably not true or mean. Like, I I will block people like that. Where it's just like because they just get relentless. So, I, I will block that. I haven't been blocked, but I've had two instances. Where I had celebrity interactions and then and I'll tell you how they made me feel. One is the U2 Twitter handle responded to me once.
0: Wow.
1: And in my mind it was it was Bono or the Edge. Now logically I know that it was just some guy or gal that's on their social media team but I sort of felt for initially when I saw that I was like whoa
0: whoa
1: like Larry Mullen just tweeted back at me or whatever I felt like I had interacted with a band that I've I've loved for since I was in high school and so that one I think was just part of their team vanilla ice one time responded to us for some reason oh wow and I think it really was vanilla ice yeah Rob, Robert, whatever his name is. I Dude, forget his last name. Dean Winkle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Van Winkle. Van Winkle. Yeah, right. Robert Van Winkle. Yeah. And I saw it and I was like, you know what? I think that really was vanilla ice mm. that saw, I don't know how we got folded into this Twitter thread uh, someone uh, included us in an at mention with him and he responded to us. And I thought, okay, I can see Rob Van Winkle. Chilling out by the pool and reading that tweet and responding to us. But I have not been blocked, to my knowledge, by anyone famous.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Uh, This one from uh, Steve Tickles. He said that Dane Cook, you know, Dane Cook? Yeah, comedian. Stand-up. He said he blocked me on Twitter uh, last year. Uh, He tweeted something along the lines of, quote, sometimes no matter what you do, you can't win, close quote. And I replied, did you make another movie? I was instantly blocked. <laughs> That's a pretty good line. Yeah, that it is. Uh, Steve the Hitman says, uh, William Shatner. I tweeted at him, what's going on, Slick Willie? Apparently, William Shatner does not like to be called Slick Willie. Instantly blocked. So That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Flay uh, from the Cooking Channel. He said, I tweeted that he looked like Randy from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Instantly blocked
1: i would imagine once you get to like a million followers or something that it's just annoying
0: yeah cj Skeen says i'm blocked by snooki and i have absolutely no no reason uh and i don't have any reason why i never i mean i never comment on celebrities so i have no idea where it came from but i'm pretty proud of the fact that snooki uh blocked me joel olstein the preacher Uh, This gentleman said he was posted. He posted something on his Facebook page that Joel Olstein was the best stand-up comedian of our generation. Instantly blocked. (laughs) That is funny. Many years ago, uh, Aunt Lola says many years ago I did a really bad Photoshop of Bill Murray, and it was us standing by the Hollywood sign. I posted it on his Facebook page, and I was instantly blocked. But I still love. Bill Murray. Finally, Anthony Bourdain and I got into a heated discussion on human foie gras, and foie <laughs> and that lasted a few days until I was instantly blocked. So, can you imagine? Uh, I can see Anthony going Bourdain toe to toe with Anthony Bourdain? I can yes, see
1: that. I can see that. He, uh, I can see him digging in on that and having a little venom in his in his system.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, finally, when the news, news first broke about Bill Cosby, I tweeted at him that he deserved to go to jail for the rest of his lifetime and the rest of my lifetime and the rest of all of our lifetimes. Apparently, people don't like to hear that about themselves. So uh, he instantly blocked me. And I lied. Trump, I sent him a Barack Obama virtual birthday card. <laughs> It is probably him. Yeah. It's probably him. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, you guys, thanks for stopping by. Episode 258 of The Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us to get one of the buyer's playbooks or the seller's playbooks, how can they do that? Yeah,
1: you can email me directly, ron at windermere.com, or you can download it free of charge right now automatically uh, at Sitdown.com.
0: Yeah. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. All right. Hey, coming up on episode 259, I'm going to introduce you to two incredible people uh, that are some of my very best friends, but also they're my real estate mentors. So if you're thinking about getting involved, invest investing, or getting your family involved, uh, Joe and Jennifer are going to stop by in episode 259. And this one's going to drop on Wednesday. And I really want you guys to hear how they did it, because they are hands-on investors. They do a lot of the work themselves. Uh, and it started with a $100,000 loan from Joe's uh, father when they were building their first home. And now they own many properties, not just here in Washington State, but also in Maui. So they're going to share with you some of the secrets, their passion. And if you're just getting started, maybe some of the things you want to think about as you enter the marketplace. All right? Anyway, hit subscribe for us if you would on the Ron and Don Show. We appreciate that so much. And don't forget, thanks to Les Schwab, you get to hear this show every Monday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday. Hit subscribe. It automatically comes to you. Yeah. And maybe hit, well, those guys are our favorite. And we also appreciate all the great things that you guys have said about us. Uh, that means a lot. It means a lot to us and it also means a lot to the podcast is we're able to push that out into the world. A million spins now. Thanks to you. Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time for episode 259. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.